0: Oh, come, all ye faithful, is a song that really lends itself to being a rally cry for the body of Christ. Just think of the chorus Oh, come, let us adore him. And then we'll sing, for he alone is worthy. We'll give him all the glory. We'll praise his name forever. It's a song that in spite of our indifferences, caused the church to come together to sing of His majesty, to proclaim His glory, as well as to recognize what an incredible King we serve. Well, welcome to... The second week of our message, Christmas message series, called "Carols." "O come, all ye faithful." is a song that's attributed to John Francis Wade, who was a British exile living in France because of the Jacobine Rebellion, and it's thought to be written around seventeen thirty-five, between seventeen thirty-five and seventeen forty. There's There's a lot of other history to it, but here's what stood out to me. In the Latin, it was written in four stanzas. It had four stanzas. But whenever you hear it sung today or it's written, there are three stanzas. That's because one stanza through the years was omitted to make the hymn more universal. Think to yourself what verse did they leave out? Why? To make it more universal. It's the verse that talks about a virgin birth. Isn't that sad? But here's the good news. When we sing it at the end of the service, we are going to sing that long lost verse that proclaims Mary As a virgin, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant! Can I just listen, man? I I just want to speak from my heart this morning because there are times in our life during the Christmas season, where there are many who do not feel faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Oh yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And we put on our smiles. But deep inside, we're hurting. And this song, perhaps, can be a little overwhelming. Because you're feeling more doubtful, more depressed, or more defeated than what this song proclaims. And as I really started to think about this song, these are the words of John Francis Wade. It's not the words of Jesus. These are the words of a songwriter who's calling Christians to come for a celebration. And I started to think to myself, well, who then does Jesus call? Jesus calls those who are weary, and are burdened. Jesus says, come. Come to me, you, you who are weary. You who are tired. You who are stressed. You who are full of anxiety and worry and panic. Come, you who carry heavy burdens. Come. In Matthew chapter 9. Jesus calls the sinners. When Jesus heard this, He said, Healthy people, they they don't need a doctor. Sick people do. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus calls the weary. Those who are burdened. He calls the sinners. And all of a sudden, I, I started to think, that he could rewrite the words of this hymn. Oh, come all ye sinners, weary and so burdened. It <laughs> doesn't have the same tune, does it? But that's who he calls. Come ye. Come ye to Bethlehem. So why in the world would Jesus call those who are weary? Why would he call the sinners? Why would He call those who are carrying a heavy burden, why would He call them to Bethlehem? Why not to Zion? Why not to Jerusalem? Why Bethlehem? Bethlehem. Anybody know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. So, Why would he call the weary, the sinners? Those who are so burdened, why would he call them to the house of bread? Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty again. He who believes in me will never go thirsty. Come who are weary. Come who are carrying a heavy burden. Come you sinners and you will never thirst and you will never be hungry again. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna from in the wilderness and they died. But anyone who eats the bread of heaven will never die. So you who are weary, you who are carrying this heavy burden, you sinners, come and receive eternal life. And as you come, how many know Jesus doesn't leave you weary and burdened? He begins a process, a transformation in your life where Paul refers to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Aren't you glad that there was a time in your life when you came to the house of bread and you tasted of the heavenly bread and he began the transformation in your life? And how is it that he transforms your life? What is it that he does? Well, in light of the song, O come all ye faithful. Doesn't he make you more faithful? Doesn't he give to you joy? And doesn't he make you triumphant? There are many throughout the Christmas season sometimes who struggle with faithfulness. Maybe God has called you to do something And once you started to do it, you found it harder than what it was actually you thought it was going to be. And you started to question God's call. God, did you really call me to this? Or maybe you're struggling with a faith issue right now. Maybe you're going through a trial, a circumstance, or a situation, and you're really struggling with a faith issue. I was talking to a colleague, a fellow minister, just this week. Words are true, but harsh. He said, Pastor Jeffrey, remember 21 months ago? When you had all those faithful people in quarantine, complaining and being outspoken, how can the government deem churches not essential? And there were people who were faithful, who were outspoken. And he says, the very same people who were so outspoken against the government in not deeming the church essential are the same ones who are struggling making their attendance essential. <laughs> I said, yeah. Or maybe it's joy you're struggling with. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful. You get up every day and you go off to work and work is not very fulfilling. It's not very satisfying. You don't find much fulfillment and and you just drag yourself off to work every day and you find yourself in a rut Hey, do you know how, remember the Surgeon General finally started to put warnings on cigarette packages? This could be harmful to your health. I'm telling you what, they need to put a warning on Facebook, social media. This could be dangerous to your life because you start to look and see all the fun people are having the magical moments at the Magic Kingdom and all the different places people are eating and all the smiles and all the wonders. And, and, and you look at Phil Khalees who has 5,663 friends. <laughs> but are they really friends? <laughs> it gives you a false sense of security. And you look through it and you're like... How come everybody's having fun but me? Or you begin with good intentions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And you get up in the attic and you bring down your pre-lit Christmas tree. Hallelujah. Can you say amen for pre-lit Christmas trees? Until you plug it in. And there's a section of lights out. And the spirit of Christmas just gets sucked right out of you two hours later as you're trying to fix it and you still can't. Or how about triumphant? There's a word that we don't use much in our vocabulary. When was the last time you asked somebody, how, are you, how hey, how are you doing? And, and they go, well, I'm feeling pretty triumphant today. And the reality is there's a lot of people who feel defeated. Maybe you're defeated in your finances because at this point in your life you thought you would be a lot better off than you really are and you're still just living from paycheck to paycheck. Or as the end of the year starts to approach, 15, my 20 pounds, this is the year I proclaim it. And you hop on the scale, instead of losing, you've gained five more pounds. And you're not feeling very triumphant. Or maybe there's an addiction, there's a habit, there's a grudge, there's a bitterness that you just keep holding on to. And you say, Pastor, man, I don't feel very triumphant. I don't have the joy that I should. And I'm really struggling with a faith issue. Well, I want you to know when you go to the bread, the house of bread, he transforms. And Jesus helps us to become more faithful. Hebrews tells us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the what? Who's the author of our faith? Jesus is the author of our faith. And not only is he the author of our faith, he's also the perfecter of our faith. Now, how does he go about perfecting our faith? Well, we read in Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by... And that's hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. As you read his word, the author of faith begins to perfect your faith and your faith begins to grow. And through the circumstances and the situations of life, as your faith begins to grow, you find yourself more faithful. Let me, hey, I said from my heart today, if there hasn't been a time in your life, there's going to be a time in your life where you need a word from the Lord. Come on. Have you ever gone through a circumstance? And what got you through that circumstance? It was a word from the Lord. Saturday, April 7th, 2007. The day before Easter of 2007. Right down on Georgia Road, we had softball practice. It was a cloudy day, overcast. I was out in center field, and Bob Davis hit a high fly out to center field. I'm looking up, and I can't see the white ball in amidst the clouds. But the ball found me. Right on my nose. And I went down. Taken to the emergency room, was told, Reverend, you got a broken nose. They were finally able to stop the bleeding. You better have follow up with the ENT to see if they have to set it. Preached Easter service with two black eyes. Went to the ENT on Monday, said everything was fine. Didn't have to set it. Monday night rolls around, we're eating dinner. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, it was like Niagara Falls. Come on, some of you have had dealings with bloody noses before. And I mean, it wasn't just coming out of my nose, it was running down the back of my throat. And I said, We need to go to the emergency room now. My wife goes, No, we'll be able to stop it. I said, You ain't stopping this. And after two hours of them trying to work on me, they finally brought in the specialist that I saw, and to add, insult to injury, the guy takes six feet of packing and stuffs them up both nostrils. Just proving there's not a lot up there. <laughs> a lot of empty space. First time in my 47 years that I remembered, I guess I was in the hospital when I was a baby, hospitalized for three days. That week that we were supposed to, the following week, we were supposed to go to Poland on a mission strip. The guys went, I had to stay behind. Being a man of faith, I remember the doctor came in to check on me in the hospital, and he says, well, we're going to have to keep the packing in for a week, and then we'll be able to relieve the pressure and take it out. And being the man of faith I am, I said, well, what happens if the bleeding didn't stop? (laughs) He said, well, we're not going to go there. I remember being home, I forget where Heather had to go. Stephanie, Pastor Todd's wife, came over just to sit. Now listen, you may be in a season right now among this Christmas season where you need a word from God. Maybe you're in a circumstance or a situation and your faith is is being tested, it's being tried, and you need a word from God. Stephanie came in that day And she handed me a piece of paper with this scripture verse on it from Deuteronomy chapter 33. It's where Moses blesses the tribe of Benjamin. And this is what it said. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him. For he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Come on, somebody. That verse carried me for months. Because after the packing and the bleeding stopped, it was still the anxiety and the psychological warfare. I remember sitting on Route 18 in traffic. All of a sudden, just breaking out in full panic and anxiety and sweat, thinking, what happens if my nose starts to bleed? I can't go anywhere, and they'll never get to me. I'll just bleed out in the car on Route 18. Well, obviously, it didn't happen. But I would just keep repeating, the one whom the Lord loves, he rests on his shoulders. There's coming a time in life where you're going to need a word from God, and that word helps to increase your faith through the difficulties of life. Second, Jesus helps us to become more joyful. Now, this is an area, I have to be honest, I have I have struggled with years. But I'm just going to share my findings. Paul says in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Please note, this is one of my pet peeves. It's not the fruits, plural. It's a singular fruit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, like they're all different parts. It's one fruit. It's singular. And part of the fruit is joy. Now, what's this all about? I've always said, an apple tree bears because it's a... (laughs) Right on, buddy. An apple tree bears apples because it's an apple tree. Who lives inside of us? God's Spirit. Jesus says, I am the vine... You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't bear. And this is what I realized it's impossible for me to produce joy. I tried. I cannot produce joy. He is the vine, I am the branches, like an apple tree produces apples. As one who lives inside of us, His Holy Spirit, one of the byproducts that is produced in our life is joy. And there's a big difference, there's a world of difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances, happenings. Do you know you could be miserable over a circumstance taking place in your life because you're just not happy about it. But in the midst of that circumstance, you can have joy. Case in point, last Saturday, I get out that pencil tree that's out in the fellowship hall, plug it in, black section. And in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to let this tree ruin my spirit of Christmas. Jesus, I'm doing this for you. And about five minutes into trying to find the faulty bulb, it ain't happening. Five minutes becomes a half hour. And I'm starting to get, and I'm like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I'm not very happy about this circumstance, and I'm not gonna let this circumstance rob my joy. Therefore, because Jesus is my joy, he gives me strength. So I got in my car, I rode home. I had this little, anybody have one of those red guns that you you test the bulbs and you put the bulb in and you click it, and all of a sudden, instant press, it's like magic. Well, Mark, I took one of the bulbs out, put it in there, click, 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 nothing. But then you realize there's a thing that you can follow the current. Beep, 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 beep. So I get the beginning of the line, and I'm hearing beep, 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 beep. Then I get to the section where it stops beeping. And I know the current has stopped. And I look, and there's this little bulb that's all black and burnt. I pull it out. I put the new one in. The whole middle of the section of the tree lights up. And I'm saying, Jesus, you're the light of the world. I'm not going to let this circumstance rob me of my joy in Jesus. Isn't that the Christmas story? What did the angels Proclaim to the shepherds. Don't be afraid, he says. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy. Who is it that brings you joy? It's Jesus for unto day in the town of David. A Savior has been born. Folks, don't ever... Mistake. There's a world of difference between happiness and joy. You may not be very happy over something, but it doesn't rob you of the joy that you have in Jesus Christ. Jesus helps us to become more triumphant. This is what I've learned in life. It's hard to go through the battles of life on your own. It's hard. It's hard to go through the battles of life on your own. But what I found through the battles of life and through the journey of life and through the hardships of life, it's a little bit easier to be more triumphant if there's someone there alongside of you. Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good return on their work. If one falls, his friend can help him up to be triumphant. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Two can be triumphant. And aren't you glad you have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? And his name is Jesus. If you don't think this is true, let me ask you, can you remember a time when... You were going through a hardship, a trial. And you felt very defeated. And you spent a half hour in the presence of a friend. And as they spoke into your life, you started feeling more triumphant than when you first walked in. And we need someone to walk through this life with us. His name is Jesus, but thanks be to God. What does he always do? Jesus always leads us in a triumphal procession. Now, here's something you may not know. If Jesus leads us in a triumphal procession and he goes before us, then who's got your back? The Lord will go before you. The God of also, Israel will also be your what? Your rear guard. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Not only does He go before you, but He's always got your back, which helps you be triumphant through the circumstances, the trials, the difficulties, the hardships of life. Hundreds of years before the babe was born in the manger, Isaiah prophesied, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of the government. And peace will be no end. And He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Sounds like a triumphant king to me. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. You know, at this time season of life we view a a baby lying in a manger cute little baby ceramic in a pristine setting and we think oh How cute. But let us never forget that. That baby. Who's lying in the manger. Is the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. The great I Am. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The author of life. Who spoke Nothing into existence. The Prince of Peace. The author of our faith. The author and perfecter of our faith. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the resurrection and the life. As the song says, He's born King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. May we never forget who fights on our side, who goes before us, who's in front of us, and who is our rear guard. It's not just a little baby lying in the manger. It's Christ our Lord. The one born in a manger, born in your heart to produce the fruit of joy. The one who's the author. Who will perfect your faith. Through the study of his word. Through the reading of his word. Oh yeah, you may not feel too faithful. Maybe you're a little doubtful. Maybe you're not real joyful. Maybe you're more depressed. Maybe you don't feel real triumphant. But I'm telling you, as you surrender, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Despite your circumstance, he'll give you joy. Despite what others may be saying, he'll give you a word to build your faith. And he, in the midst of a bad situation, will lead you triumphant. I think of the words of Isaiah. Though I walk through the waters, though I walk through the rivers, they will not oversweep me. Though I walk through the fire, they will not set me ablaze. They will not set me on fire. Sometimes you gods who walk through, by walking through, He gives you triumph.